Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? It is Kyle here with a very special announcement before we get this episode started. Now, you may have seen on our Instagram and Twitter, and if you haven't, follow us at Mouse Madness Pod on both platforms, that we made a special announcement last night. So if you're listening to this on December 7th, the release date of this episode, you may have just caught the sneak peek, but we're stoked to announce the official launch of our very own Mouse Madness stickers. Yep, we are jumping into the merch game for the very first time, and we're really stoked about this. We currently have three designs that you can purchase. One is of a Mouse Madness podcast word logo with a bracket background so that you can really rep the essence of what we do here on this podcast. Another one is our favorite word, iconic, that happens to be sporting a certain mouse's sorcerer's hat. And the final design is a shout out to our boy, Filthy Phil. Yes, yes, yes. So the best part of this is that all of these were designed by our very own guest host on the best Disney sidekick bracket, Alyssa. She does amazing work and we'll link to her Instagram in the show notes so you can check out all of the stuff that she does. We're really happy and really excited that we got to work with her and that she came back with such amazing designs. So go check out the designs on Twitter and Instagram. Once again, Mouse Madness Pod. And once you have, here's how you can order. We're selling each sticker for $4 each or you can go ahead and bundle them all together for $10. Uh, All proceeds are gonna go to supporting the show Surprise, surprise, it actually costs money for us to produce these and for us to host the show on the internet. So all of these orders are going to really help us keep this podcast alive uh, so that we can continue to bring the hot takes forever. Once you've made your choices, uh, all you got to do is email mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com with whichever stickers you want, however many you want of them. If you're ordering bundles, let us know. Give us your full name, your address, and then your Venmo name. Chris is going to go ahead and send you a Venmo charge. And once it's completed, we will ship out your stickers. Now, this first batch is fairly limited. We've never done this before. We've never made merch. We've never sold merch. So we've ordered a very limited number of each of these stickers. So these orders will be fulfilled on a first come, first serve basis. We hope you love them as much as we do, and we look forward to expanding our merch game with more designs and more products in the near future if this takes off. So once again, send us all of the info, what stickers you want to mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. We'll get that ball rolling, and you can rep the pod wherever you go. All right, enough of me rambling. Let's go ahead and get back to roasting some experiences and crowning the worst Disneyland attraction. with Mouse Madness. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. 
And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back talking worsts. Yeah, we are. We are very much back. We, you know, I took quite a few L's last, uh, last week. I figured I knew what the worst was, and apparently I didn't. And that was a nice awakening because, you know, I didn't want to take the reins, really, to be honest, as the pessimist of this podcast. So I'm glad that you're holding on to that crown for for the two of us. Uh, and who declared that was our guest host uh, returning back from yet another bracket. It is Mandy. Mandy, welcome back to episode two. Hi, thanks. I'm, I'm happy to get into it. I'm happy to get into it too because I'm really, really, really looking forward to your Tom Sawyer Island story. <laughs> yep, it's it's a great one. <laughs> or really, honestly, just any Mandy story since apparently you've just had the most unique and incredible experiences uh, at these parks. Yeah, you know, when you got uh, 80s, 1980s parents who uh, have four rowdy kids don't want to spend a whole lot of money in the parks you get you get up to some fun i love it all right chris well before we get back into debating what's going on and what's the worst here at disneyland we are going to talk a little spoonful of sugar so what are you drinking this week oh it's getting colder here getting close to the holidays so i got myself a nice hot buttered rum no we got a little heavy pour on this one, so I'm calling it the cartoon spin. Hey. Oh, there you go. What do you got? I'm back on a beer game. Constantly moving back and forth from cocktail to beer on this podcast, and this is a beer week. I have a hazy double IPA from Revision Brewing Company that showed up in my fridge this week, and uh, it is pretty delicious. Double Double hazy IPAs are something that should not really exist, in my opinion. It's a really aggressive beer, especially for, you know, holiday season. We're in the winter. Why am I drinking a hazy? I don't know. It just kind of showed up. If it, I had it my way, this is perfect amber season. I love me an amber beer. I love me a red ale. I know that's yeah. not your your style, Chris, but I uh, I feel like nope. I'm still trying to, like, grasp onto whatever summer might exist here in the Bay Area with this hazy IPA, and it's pretty delicious. Mandy, what are you bringing this week? I am back on the rum train, got some dark rum, some uh, coconut rum cream, and some pineapple juice. We're going to call it the Sailing Away on the Mark Twain. Ah, beautiful. You're also going a little summery on us with that coconut and that rum. Oh, yeah. I'm obsessed with... Uh, it's called a shipwreck coconut rum cream, and I put it in everything, and it's uh, probably not good for me. <laughs> okay. Well, just to remind everyone where we're at, we got a field of 16 of the worst Disneyland attractions surveyed from construction delay complainers on social media, Disney Parks, Hitting some rough times, too. They had to shelf some of those projects. Everyone was really anxious to get on, like, now. Like, we should be riding some of these already. So people have some issues with that. You know, they just can't wait to ride the Remy's Ratatouille adventure. <laughs> his name is Remy. So it, his name it is, is Remy, is his, folks. 
it is his Ratatouille adventure. Yeah, and people are wanting to get on it. And I get it, kind of, right? Like, the the West Coast parks aren't open. So all we want is a gate to open. And actually, a couple weeks ago, the gates did open at California Adventure, but just for, like, dining and shopping. But us West Coast folk are just like, we just need, we just want a park to open. While on the East Coast, they're like, yo, the parks have been open for months and we want this new attraction now. So I like, I get it. They're living in a completely different dimension compared to what we're doing here in California. Uh, But everyone needs to be patient. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Give them a break. Yep. I won't talk about the Florida governor, but there's something to say (laughs) about that for sure. So where we left off last week, we are down to our round of eight where we have the number one seed Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes versus the number eight seed Gadget's Go Coaster, number 13 Autopia versus number five Frontierland Shooting Exposition, the number two seed Star Wars Launch Bay versus number seven Pirate's Lair on Tom Sawyer Island, and number three Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln versus number 11 Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin. I'll go ahead and start us off by talking about our first matchup. It's number one, Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes versus number eight, Gadget's Go Coaster. So these are two very different experiences. You've got Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes, which is a very laborious attraction. Uh, Usually a very quick wait. We didn't really talk about that uh, (laughs) last week. But if if you want to get on this thing for some reason, you can. And you can get off and get right back in line again and do it all <laughs> over again. Because you're one of the only people in the park that wants to ride this thing. So uh, it's there for you if you want it. Which is honestly like a good thing if you're into this. Sure. Uh, you could also make the argument, though, that because there's low attendance, it means it's probably pretty bad. So it can go both ways. This is a ride that relies on other people doing their jobs correctly in your canoe. Someone's rowing out of time or rowing a little bit aggressively, they are likely to splash you. It's just part of the ride, you know? Like, it's it's not even an if. It's pretty much a, like, it's going to happen. Totally. Keep your cell phone in the pocket that's inside of the boat. (laughs) And don't Uh, splash, as we learned. And don't splash. I mean, like, you want to paddle super hard and super long, but... The reality is, like, you just have to make really shallow strokes, just like little baby rows, because you're going to run into other people. You just are. And it's not fun when you do. (laughs) You've got two cast members on the canoe with you who are semi-encouraging you to row slash semi-hazing you. They're (laughs) trying to, like, semi-do, like, a show-and-tell history lesson of the Rivers of America or semi doing a jungle cruise routine where they're making fun of everything that's on the river. One of the common jokes is uh, the two mooses. They're like, oh, there's Mickey and Minnie Moose. Ha, ha. It's like, all right. That <laughs> was so funny. Canoe. Yeah. And you've got Gadget's Go Coaster, which is a roller coaster. Um, it's not a roller coaster that you are going to be getting on quickly because the queue takes a long time. The load procedures take a long time. There's only one train on the track at once. Uh, so it's um, it's a frustrating ride to wait for, and it's all over in about 30 seconds. 
right. not a very forceful roller coaster. There is some appeal for very, very, very young children who uh, maybe are experiencing their first roller coaster or or maybe just a little bit more thrill-seeking, I guess, in this park full of dark rides and shows and that kind of stuff. I think we need to start talking about, like, rides being deleted from existence and being like, let's look at both of the rides in discussion and remove one of them from the park and just be like, do we care? <laughs> so, uh, Davy Crockett, remo- remove those canoes. I don't think anyone would miss them. No. I really don't. I mean, Mandy, you said you've never even been on these things. <laughs> so that, I think, stands for something. Gadget Go Coaster, you remove that one. I wouldn't be too upset about it. But on the other hand, it's like there is a place on the ride roster for this thing. A kitty coaster. And also, like, what would you put there if you did remove it? Yeah. That's like, step one of just like redoing Toontown. Right. And that's a lot to ask. So, although I would probably rather get on the canoes than get on Gadget Go Coaster and go through the whole ordeal of like waiting for that thing, I think it serves more of a purpose. I think there's a place for it. And I think it has more value to Disneyland as a whole. So, I'm going to go against my own bias on this one and i'm going to advance davy crockett's explorer canoes to the final four chris i want to take us down memory lane a little bit here let's go we have a mutual friend who i am convinced does not listen to this podcast so it's fine that we're talking about this (laughs) you took mutual friend to disneyland at one point you took mutual friend into the queue of peter pan mutual friend shed tears because the line was 45 plus. The ride felt like 45 seconds. Chris and Mandy, question for you. What do you think is the ride time of Peter Pan's flight? And what do you think the time is of Gadget's Go Coaster? We'll start with you, Chris. I would say Peter Pan, 41 seconds. Gadget Go Coaster, are you including the lift hill? Yes, from from the minute you leave for both, the minute you leave the loading station until you get back to the loading station. I would say 41 seconds Peter Pan, 45 seconds Gadget Go Coaster. Mandy? I'm going to go with a minute and a half for Peter Pan, which seems a bit long, but that's something to guess. And uh, 30 seconds for Gadget's Go Coaster. So it's interesting we think that Peter Pan's is so short because it is so short. And the science I use to calculate these may be skewed slightly because I got them from different sources. (laughs) However, I think that Peter Pan's feels so short because we do stand in such a long line. But Peter Pan is closer to the three-minute range, while Gadgets is literally 50 seconds. Wow. Yikes. That's including the lift hill, which takes up like 25 of those seconds probably. Be- because Maybe more. the rest of the ride is like spiraling downhill until you lose momentum and you get back to the loading station on Gadgets, right? So like there's no amount of time that is worth 
waiting for gadgets, even if you're a kid, in my opinion, I guess is my argument, right? Like it's, it's such a short ride. Chris brought up last episode that he doesn't get, doesn't like the theming of gadgets. I don't mind it. You're kind of supposed to be the the size of a rodent <laughs> because all of the people in Rescue Rangers are rodents at the end of the day. They're all like mice or chipmunks. And so you're kind of like burrowed into the side of a hill. And even as you walk through the queue, that's one of the more themed queues on this bracket in general. All of the other queues on this bracket feel like they're either plain switchbacks with the the metal dividers or they're just an entryway and if you can't fit into the entryway then like tough luck or you're just spewing out into the walkway so at least we get some theming in the queue at the very least there's also a little bit of like fun with gadgets like it's not just a downhill coaster you pass by some like frogs that spit water over the train as you go through it that's a little fun especially if you're a kid it's a little added like oh water just flew over me that's pretty cool davy crockett i think that something that you kind of hinted at last episode is that shared experience of like you and your friends could be on this canoe and you are powering this thing around the river this isn't on a track everyone has to pull their weight and that's for better or for worse i hate it because it's human error but if i had the four three other homies with me because in my mind the max you can ever travel with at disneyland is four you gotta just be in a group of four any more is just disastrous i don't believe in any more than four that's the take on this podcast for me but if you're you happen to be with seven <laughs> you happen to be with eight and you're on this canoe that is your canoe now and you are (laughs) traveling around the rivers powering it by yourself that's such a interesting and fun experience i think you brought up a very good point last episode which i didn't want to include because i was trying to make a point but like not everyone can canoe you think about like people who are landlocked and have to come out to Disneyland and that's their big trip. And maybe they grew up in the farmlands of Iowa. Shout out Lakin. I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> and, and you don't have the rivers and you don't have the lakes and you can't canoe. This is a great opportunity to do it in a quote unquote safe environment, right? Unless you're two kids spending the night at Tom Sawyer's Island oh, and then trying to snowed. swim back, you're oh. probably not, you're probably going to be okay. You're going to end up like the 20 somethings that just sank to the bottom of the river in which most people can almost stand up. So I think because there's that shared experience element, I think because it is a shorter wait and a longer experience. And even though, I tried to advance it last time uh, as the worst. I'm not going to do it this time. I'm actually going to advance the short little kid coaster gadgets on as the worst, which means we're starting this episode off with a Mandy Tiber. Yes. Okay. I'm going to make this What's one. What's your crazy gadget story? Tell us your crazy gadget story. 
Did you jump off at the top of the hill and no. lassoed your way down? Honestly, I'm going to make this one short and sweet. Um, other theme parks do kids' roller coasters better than Gadget's Go Coaster. Maybe if you had gone on the loop twice in a row or three times in a row, it would be worth the wait. This flies by. It's, it's not even memorable because it goes so fast and you have to wait so long in line just to ride it. Um, so I'm going to agree with you, Kyle, on this one. And move that one past Davy Crockett's Canoes. I think uh, Davy Crockett's Canoes is a more enjoyable experience overall. Hopefully you can enjoy that enjoyable experience since you haven't been able to. I know! I'm going to have to ride with (laughs) cast members uh, Duke and Jed, I think, according to the YouTube (laughs) ride that I was watching. (laughs) No. Hopefully my new life goal. My new life goal is a Mouse Madness meetup where we commandeer a whole ass canoe yes <laughs> let's I would do love it that. if you would be on board go ahead and email us we would love to figure out if we can get a meetup going once the parks open back up i think the davy crockett canoes are going to become like the new peloton but for like disney fans <laughs> like get on it so, ride around burn those calories get that arm workout in yeah i i would believe it too Also, before we leave the canoes forever, I wanted to say very interesting part about the canoes is that cast members have this like annual canoe race around the rivers. I think that's super fun. And if like we were cast members, that's something I would definitely look forward to. It's very FUC like of me to want to like compete with like (laughs) my fellow with like my fellow co-workers in some like guest experience but i would love it's like yeah i would love to do that chris and i have done like tennis lessons but then at night and drunk and that's exactly what this would be if i was a disneyland cast member i was literally about to say that because (laughs) we kind of did that one time where it was like the each area put on their own event and it was like small world, like all the areas got to change a diaper. So now like, you know how hard our job is because the canoe team always wins the canoe race. Because of course. What, of course. So like the thing is like there were way too many personalities in that because like people got too into it. Like <laughs> There was one, uh, I don't know if anyone's going to care about this, but I'm definitely going to leave it in. There was one Olympic event which was to like wrangle the rowdy kid and every team had to choose who the rowdy kid was. And that turned so violent so fast. I imagine that's a little bit like what the canoe races could be is just swinging oars as people are passing by. It's like pod racing, but Davy Crockett (laughs) canoes. Sign me up. That's pod racing. And you gotta love that Tony Hawk pun. They managed to sneak into the canoes. Delete that. Delete that <laughs> from the spiel. That is that is terrible. That's awful. Hold on. Somebody say it for the podcast because I haven't heard it. It's so long, and that's what makes it so bad. Oh, never they mind. go. He goes. No, he goes. There's a there's a hill up there we call it Nito hill because there was an indian who fell down the hill and he hurt his knee and he hurt his toe and when his soul was released into the great beyond he came back in the form of a hawk which is the hawk you see there sitting above the archway 
So he's the hawk above knee toe hill. Sometimes we just refer to him as Tony Hawk. Can't stand it. It's, it's like, dude. It's, it's Jungle Cruise on steroids. Jungle okay, Cruise and then steroids. here's my here's my second point that I didn't get to bring up with the storybook land. Any attraction that involves a host that you are now stuck with for the next X <laughs> yes. amount of time stresses yes. me out because yeah. the last thing that I want on this attraction is for them to look me in the eyes and then ask me something. <laughs> Don't look at me. Do not look at me. If I'm Don't on the jungle on cruise, me, please. I'm in the back. If I'm on storybook, I hope I'm in the front so I'm not near the person that's staring around. I do not want to interact with these people. They're nice. They're great. But I get anxious and I don't want to do it. And that's what I think would happen if I was at the front of the back of these canoes is Duke would be screaming in my face and my day would be ruined. The thing that's weird about Duke's spiel in particular is that he like uses like inside cast member language yeah. and like makes references to like cast member life and be like, oh, there's some members of the ODV team. Go ODV team, ODV team. And it's like, what are you... Ugh. What? Like, uh, I don't know what that means, you know? So, like, the like diehard APs that, like, know what that is are like, oh, my God, that's so funny, Duke. You're the best. But then, gosh. like, casuals like us are like, was that supposed to be funny or, like? I just I love it because it feels so irreverent. It feels like you're in on the Disney humor, even though, like, you know, you're just a tourist. Sure. But it makes you feel like, oh, I'm part of the club now. I'm a cool kid riding the canoe. And that's why the canoes stayed safe yeah. off on the shore as part of the inside crew. So let's go ahead and move on to the next Elite Eight matchup. It's number 13, Autopia versus number five, Frontierland Shooting Exposition. Uh, I don't like guns at all. Even if these are lasers, uh, it's still holding a fairly real-life rifle in your hands. And I think that's really strange to put into the hands of families and like this being a family event also disney just nickel and dined me to walk through these gates and to then have the audacity to ask me for 50 more cents when they know no one carries around change these days and they know i don't have bills that can break into carryable quarters i what do you, why is this still a pay to play? Why isn't it like load the card like it is at Pixar Pier, right? Like why isn't it just load the card, you can play the game, you get your 15 shots or whatever it is and be on your way to the Mark Twain. So I'm not a big fan of Frontierland Shooting Gallery. One, I've never done it. Don't like guns, don't have any interest in guns, don't have any interest in shooting. Two, because even if I did want to do it, I could do it literally anywhere. These are an attraction, as Chris brought up, that is at every single park everywhere. No matter what the theme of this park is. You can go to, the, to a boardwalk. There's a shooting gallery. You can go to a small local amusement park. There's a shooting gallery. Like It's not something that I also need to do in Disneyland, especially if I'm somebody who likes to do many things and use my time wisely i'm not going to stop to like shoot lasers at a, 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 
a taxidermy raccoon. <laughs> I, I'll go shoot lasers at Emperor Zerg because at least I'm in like a vehicle that swivels and you can get high scores and you're competing versus the person next to you. But at the shooting gallery, what are you doing? Find find another place to do that. In my opinion, that brings us uh, across to uh, Autopia, the number thirteen, which I talked about. Uh, one injuries bad almost every single time you're on it even if you're not even if you're being safe something is going to be uncomfortable once you exit that ride vehicle whether it's you experience a little whiplash because you turn a little too hard and hit the guardrail which is in the center of the car everybody it's not the guardrails on the sides it's the the guide rail in the middle or because Seven-year-old Tommy came in hot and doesn't care about brakes or his life or anybody else around him and slammed into the back of you. Or you were stuck in the Autopia offloading mall parking lot and everyone dominoed into the back of you. Think of like every time you get try to get off of Pirates, right? You go through the like shooting scene after the burning room and that it's just a line of boats and it, how much it does not feel great to be bounced into the boat in front of you and behind you. Now imagine that, but you're in a small vehicle and they're doing it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> no number of cast members standing around that area telling you to break can stop the seven-year-olds from slamming into you. I promise that. There's literally not an enjoyable factor for me about either of these so if i had to pass on like the worst i think i would have to pass on autopia only because there's a competitive nature in me that even if i wanted to do the shooting range at least i would have somebody with me who i want to compete with and try and like hit these targets with autopia there's no redeeming factor there's nothing that i get off of that and i'm like that was really enjoyable never not once so, Autopia is moving on as the worst for me. I agree with everything you're saying about Frontierland shooting expedition. Uh, guns in children's hands, don't like it. Nickel and diming, don't like it. Cheap stuff raccoons and shooting lasers, <laughs> don't like it. The thing is, I'll still do it. Like, if I, I mean, you know, I mean, you're talking about how you want to use your time wisely, it takes like two minutes. Sure. And if I have some change, like I'm walking past it, why not? It is, like I said last time, an objectively fun thing to do. I think we need to also just mention <laughs> that these things didn't always shoot lasers. No, they didn't. <laughs> they used to shoot real projectiles, metal like BBs pellets. to be yeah. exact. Yes. And there were cast members stationed, like, inside the area that you shoot things at. And needless to say, sometimes people hit the cast member instead of the target they were supposed to hit. So uh, it's completely self-sufficient now, but that's an interesting part of this experience's history. But I'm with you. There are just like so many aspects of Autopia that make it such a terrible attraction. 
And I have so much more to say about this, but we'll save it for the next round because I'm also advancing Autopia, the worst attraction. Mandy, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I'm stoked to hate on Autopia. We'll get into <laughs> it in the next round. Although I will say, I'll, I'll drop a Mandy story here. So my yes. parents, um, we were very cheap and they had four of us. And so we would get one whole dollar for, you know, the three days we would go to the park to spend on whatever we wanted. No one would ever choose the shooting gallery. Like, I have three younger brothers. We never chose that. I would choose the fortune teller in the Penny Arcade. And my brothers would choose, like, the pennies outside of, like, Splash Mountain or, like, Pooh's Corner that you get, like, a fun little imprint on. Um, I will say, though, like, in terms of, like, what bothers me less i don't mind hearing the sound of like the guns shooting in front to your land i'm like oh atmospheric like wild west okay um sure. the sound of the cars in autopia drives me absolutely insane as well as the smell jackhammers so, straight yeah. up jack metal jackhammers oh yeah. it's irritating so and it's not even like just confined to the autopia area no. it's like you can hear that from the matterhorn all the way to like star wars launch bay it invades Tomorrowland, and that is why Tomorrowland is, like, one of my least favorite lands, because you just get these, like, sounds that just grind on you, so. All right, well, Autopia is advancing to our final four, which means it's time to hop over to the other side of the bracket, where we've got number two, Star Wars Launch Bay versus number seven, Pirate's Lair. So we advanced Star Wars Launch Bay pretty easily last episode, Honestly, I'm kind of into it. Hmm. Um, let's talk about meet and greets for a second. I don't think we've ever talked about meet and greets on this podcast. Do either of you find any value in meet and greets? Yes. No. <laughs> no. I talked about meet and greets. I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the Fantasyland okay, bracket. Okay. Because yeah. I said that the us working in sports – really skewed my view on people in costume and especially in like non-face character costumes and just how strange that feels to be talking to someone that can't speak in a in this head costume and referring to them as like mickey or minnie is bizarre to me but the face characters feel a little bit better because at least you feel like you're interacting with an actor or an actress who is playing a part in your experience as opposed to like Joe Schmo who's just wearing the mouse head. So I'm very like toe the line. If it's a short line to go take a photo with Mickey, sure. I'm not going to be telling him my life story. But if like it's a semi mid length line to go talk to Cruella and be chastised then they're like yeah because I need to see the villain of the greatest animated movie that's ever been created Mandy yeah I mean Tess and I go to the parks often together we are both theater people and I feel like that adds a bit of enjoyment because you're watching someone you know a cast member act to their heart out and you're appreciating the talent while you're also like suspending the disbelief and believing they're the character. Um, we went to Star Wars Launch Bay together last year. It was my first time going. Um, and my dad is a huge Star Wars nerd, so grew up with that in my life. 
And I was not prepared for the emotional experience of meeting Chewbacca and Darth Vader. Um, that Chewbacca is sick. Oh my god, I felt so, like, I knew it was a strange person hugging me, but I also felt like it was truly chewy, and it was very heartwarming. Darth Vader, on the other hand, I was like, I'm a grown adult, I'm like 25 years old, I'm fine. I was scared, like, I, I couldn't speak. I was so nervous, because I was wearing a che Chewbacca shirt, so he identified me as a rebel, and... <laughs> The tension in the room was unreal. I was not comfortable. And the fact that a cast member can do that to me as a grown adult speaks to some of their powers. So. Mandy, are you the type of person who like does improv with the face characters when you're meeting and greeting them? I feel too uncomfortable to do improv back, but I appreciate what they're trying to give me. Sure. I think that... Meet and greets are super fun. The interns one time tweeted a great picture of me and Gaston. Uh, and <laughs> that was right. like one of the highlights of my week-long trip to Orlando. And with the rise of social media, photo ops are also like becoming more and more attractive. Yeah. Even though like the concept of like meeting Elsa face-to-face -face might not be super pleasurable, you really want to have a picture with her, <laughs> you know? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Autographs, I don't get autographs. That's a whole uh, other conversation. When I was but... a 90s kid, man, lived for the autographs. Uh, same. Lived for them. Shout out to all of the people operating large costumes who also have to replicate a very specific autograph hundreds of times in like an hour. Seriously. Um, so Star Wars Launch Bay has a couple of extremely cool meet and greet setups. There's essentially a rebel side one where you get like Rey or Chewbacca and then a first order slash empire side one where you get uh, Darth Vader or Kylo Ren. And these are like really intimate on the level of like Mickey's house where you're alone with them only. There's not like a, a huge crowd of people watching you meet and greet. You really get a moment with these characters who are like, Next level costumed. I mean, mm -hmm. like, there's your your just classic Disney Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Goofy, and then there's like your Chewbacca that is like cinema quality. Peter Mayhew. This person sat in a makeup chair for a while to get this thing on them, and that yep. is what Star Wars Launch Bay offers. I don't think I'd ever do it, but like Mandy, like you said, like the Star Wars nerds, like that is awesome. And I'm happy for people that, like, get to experience that. Uh, before you get there, though, like, this entire space is filled with, like, Star Wars props and costumes. And, I mean, that stuff's not super cool to me because I don't love Star Wars. But, like, if this were, you know, Game of Thrones. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Like, if that was a Game of Thrones thing, I would be, like, all about it. I would be like, I got to get there. I got to look at all this stuff. So there's not really a whole lot of value for me, but I could see how there's value for someone else. One of my former jobs was a studio tour guide at Warner Brothers. Yeah. And <laughs> part of the tour guide rotation was, like, being stationed at the Warner Brothers Museum, which is like a little, they do like a little 30 minute drop off real quick while your tour guide takes a water break and the tour cart like walks around this little building with some memorabilia from like Batman and a few other Warner Brothers pictures. And then there's like a whole Harry Potter level. And so like, <laughs> what's funny is they'll shift you for that. 
but they don't really do anything else. They're just like, oh, go work the museum. It's like, what do I do? They're like, just stand around and answer questions. And it's like, what questions? <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'll be standing by all of these Batman costumes and someone will come up to me and be like, oh, uh, yeah, is that like the real one that Michael Keaton wore in the movie? And I'm just like, I don't know. You know, like, I'm just supposed to stand here. I don't know. Or they'll be like, oh, yeah, how heavy is that thing? Honestly, by the looks of it, if I was going to take a guess, 50 pounds, I don't really know. Oh, oh, this, so, this, this thing? You you want to try it? You want to yeah, try, it's, try um, it on? It was always just the longest shift because all you could really rely on is like the uh, – knowledge that you have from watching these movies on your own so like right. there are a number of cast members like this stationed at star wars launch bay and i'm just saying i empathize with them dude so chris i was a member of the rolling stones experience museum in new york and exactly the same oh, nice. like just standing around hoping you know what you're doing it's cold <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh some other warner brothers stations that i worked at uh, photo taker at Central Perk set, as well as <laughs> Batmobile Duster at nice. the Warner Brothers Transportation Museum. So that oh. kind of made you like the Alfred of the museum. Sure, if you want to call me that. <laughs> uh, I did not feel like Alfred, but <laughs> sure, sure. I digress. Uh, shout out to all of the cast members who work Star Wars Launch Bay is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Much like Autopia, this is a huge building. This takes up a huge footprint. So, like, I just think of all of the ways that this space could be utilized better, especially now that Galaxy's Edge is open. You have to start having the conversation where it's like, why do we have Star Wars anywhere else? It's got its own section. Let's put all the Star Wars stuff over there. Let's get Tomorrowland back to some type of, like, mid-century version of tomorrow. Right. And do something with this space because we've we've got Star Wars covered, y'all. <sighs> Pirate's Lair, danger. Like safety is the number one priority for most things in life, and Pirate's Lair just doesn't provide that consistently. You walk around that whole area, and it's just littered with things that used to be open. Mm -hmm. There was like a a long swinging bridge at one point that they had to shut that thing down. There was a whole Fort Wilderness that they had to shut it down. There was a giant spinning rock that they had to shut down. It's just like a graveyard of like condemned play structures, kind of like how we were talking about Toontown's uh, weird playhouses, Goofy and Donald and Chippendale. Yeah. That's Pirate's Lair. And... I just wouldn't recommend it to anyone. At least Star Wars Launch Bay, I'd recommend to a Star Wars fan. Pirate's Lair, there's just really nothing going for it, in my opinion, other than a nice stage for Fantasmic. So I am advancing Pirate's Lair on. Wow. Here's the thing. If Star Wars Launch Bay was something else, I don't know, Pirates of the Caribbean, I'd be super down, right? But we're talking about Star Wars launch bay in which I am not very down. Pirate's Lair, I think at least has some sort of charm to it, even though kids are crazy and even though it's a graveyard of its former self, 
the area is like kind of nice. It's a, a small island with a ton of trees. There's a lot of like benches and tables to go kick it at. Uh, if parents want to let their kids run around, then cool. It's probably safer now than it ever was. So they're not going to go crazy and be injured as others were. So like, honestly, there's a lot more pluses for me for Tom Sawyer's Island than there are for Star Wars. I get what you're saying about like the meet and greet and having respect for the characters and, and Mandy's story about meeting Chewbacca and, you know, that suspension of disbelief and just you're, you're just in it. But none of that is appealing to me. And I haven't and won't step foot in that place because I don't need to. So for me, Star Wars moves on. I want to save pirates because I think that it's a place that does have some positivity for those who aren't kids running around, which brings us to Mandy. And Mandy, I hope you're ready to tell us this Tom Sawyer Island story because I've been waiting. Oh, I am ready. So uh, you're, you're, you're a 90s kid, right? You're with your parents in the park. You got four, yep. four of us. Um, I'm the oldest, I got my three younger brothers, and we are itching for some action. Um, we have been in these long lines all day for these kiddie rides. We're ready to, we're ready to like, go and uh, go fight. Um, so our parents take us to uh, Tom Sawyer's Island. And in the 90s, there was a cast member who dressed up as Tom Sawyer. He would play hide-and-go-seek in the caves with the kids. And it was the funnest thing in the entire world. And you got, like, a few, like, scrapes and cuts, but you're a 90s kid. You, like, just grin and bear it. There's no lawsuits. You're just having fun with Tom Sawyer. Um, and my parents were so close with this guy that we found out his name. Cast member And a couple of years later, we went back. Cast member You know, they got rid of Tom Sawyer. So uh, we're walking around the parks. And my parent goes, oh, look, there's Hey, Cast member is now friends with the Mad Hatter. And he goes, right. Who's And inside, I'm like, this young gentleman must be like, how in the F do these random people know my name? Uh, we had not been in like five years, and that, that was a time span that happened. And so, um, cast member really made my Disney experience just magical as a kid. Um, and... I will not allow any disrespect on the Pirate's Lair or Tom Sawyer Island name. Um, I am shocked. I think that island has so much going for it. And with the Pirates of the Caribbean features, there's like some really fun Easter eggs with like Davy Jones and like Pintel and Rigetti now. Um, I know that it's kind of like died down. Now people don't really like think to go there. But there's some cool stuff on there, especially for like Pirates of the Caribbean fans. And so... I am both a, a Pirates of the Caribbean and Star Wars fan, so this is a tough matchup for me. But I'm going to have to move on Star Wars Launch Bay here, just because I think with the um, new Galaxy's Edge land, the, that building is going to get rethemed, and, and things are going to move out of it. I don't see it lasting very long. Tom Sawyer's Island, unfortunately, in the architecture, it's always going to be there. They might retheme it, <laughs> but they're always going to have to do something with it, so... <laughs> I'm moving on uh, Star Wars Launch Bay. Honey, where are the kids? 
oh, they're playing hide and seek with some guy named <laughs> dressed as Tom Sawyer. Something that could amazing. only happen in the 90s. It was amazing. <laughs> we were going through these caves, playing hide and seek, and oh, it was great. Uh, that's how you get taken. All right, let's move on to our final Elite Eight matchup. It is our number three, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln versus the number 11, Roger Rabbit cartoon spin. So I mentioned last episode, uh, and Chris did as well, how much of a braggadocious show Lincoln is, and for a lot of the wrong reasons, uh, we don't need to glorify the Civil War in Disneyland, or honestly in general, it should never be a, like even the Civil War reenactments, What what is happening there? Teach us about the war and why it was wrong. Let's move on with our day. I don't think there's an importance in learning about or or trying to sympathize with the brother that's on the Confederate side. That brother was wrong. He was wrong. So he doesn't deserve a song or need a song. So the lead up to the show, like to what you're there for, as I said last episode, is just so long. The redeeming factor of this attraction is the lobby and you brought this up chris which can have some really cool dioramas it had like walt disney story at one point which is still shown at walt disney world maybe that's gone now but it was showing over there the dioramas can be really cool in that area that entire kind of block of main street has some really great seas with the like the gallery and the lobby for lincoln but the attraction itself, if you don't have to enter it, don't enter it, in my opinion. You know, and, and no one past anyone that's hosting a podcast like this is going to care about the significance of this animatronic. And it's not even like the original animatronic, right? It's just a representation of what kind of broke the barrier for technology at these parks. Roger Rabbit, I mean... I enjoyed Roger Rabbit. I said that on the last episode. I think that it is a fun, unexpected ride in an area in which is geared towards all kids. So this is very much a family ride. What's nice about it is that because it's a family ride, you have control of the car. So if you are in the car with somebody who is sensitive to spinning uh, and is a child, you can choose not to spin and you just go through the ride. But if you are in a car that's sensitive to spinning and they are an adult, you can spin all you want and just make their lives miserable as friends do when you go to these amusement parks. The theming is great. It's not only centered in an area that is well-themed to a toon town as it is, uh, but the queue as we brought up is very well-themed. It's infuriating and I hate it, but it is well-themed through and through. There's interactive areas. Some of the doors speak. You can look through it. There's the scene with the when Eddie tries to go into the, the, the club to go see Jessica Rabbit and the big gorilla guy opens the slit to ask for the password or whatever, that happens there. Uh, you can hear the weasels scheming behind one of the other doors. Like It's a very interactive and fun cue. I remember being a kid and being terrified to be in that cue, though, because it is very dark and you go around the corner and you hear like the weasels and they're talking about like trying to capture and kill Roger Rabbit. And that's very dark and it's kind of scary. The whole ride is an acid trip as we brought up and 
that's fun as an adult, but really jarring as a kid. So what perspective are we taking here? I've really taken the perspective of the adult the entire time. I think I'm going to continue to do it. Really like Roger Rabbit a lot. Don't like Lincoln at all. So that means that Lincoln's going to move on as the worst here for me, saving Roger Rabbit yet again for me. I do not enjoy Roger Rabbit, but I can see why someone might think it's a good ride. I think a lot of my problems with Roger Rabbit are probably more so problems with Toontown. And like the fact that Roger Rabbit is tucked away in a corner there, it doesn't offend me that much. (laughs) When you enter Disneyland Park, you can go right under the train tracks or you can go left under the train tracks. You go right under the train tracks, turn right, there are some restrooms, take your second right, and you are inside Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. (laughs) Like that is such prime real estate. It's the first thing you see when you enter the park and the last thing you see when you leave the park. So, like, it's supposed to be quaint. And, like, I don't know what universe there would be some type of, like, dark ride or entrance to an e-ticket attraction inside the Lincoln Theater. But, like, it's just interesting that that could be someone's first impression of Disneyland. Like, oh, here's a ride. I've never been here before. Let's see what's up. And their look on their face must be insane. Like, (laughs) I've done that before when I had never been to Universal Orlando, so we just walked in and went on the first ride we saw. It was Terminator 2, the 4D experience, and it was fine, but, like, I'm just saying people do that. Yeah. So you have this prime real estate that's being taken up by this thing that you're prideful of, but that I don't know would resonate with so many guests. We talked a little bit about like the flag retreat a few episodes ago and how like there are people that still go to these parks that like it does resonate with them and like it does matter and they would love this kind of stuff. But like as we get deeper and deeper into the 2020s, I think they need to take a close look at that and potentially how to better utilize that space. That maybe is an attraction that's accommodating for people that are looking for something slower and something more quaint, but that doesn't reek of stale whitewash history. So for that reason, I'm advancing great moments with Mr. Lincoln as well and saving Roger Rabbit. Uh, Mandy, do you agree with all of that? Yeah, agree. I mean, so I'm, I'm the kind of person that always enters the park on the left. Um, cause I like passing by the, sometimes Dapper Dan's are out in the left and I know that, so <laughs> I'll go there. Um, I feel like I have always walked past Mr. Lincoln. I just don't really see it. Um, I'm not a big fan of Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, but agree that Mr. Lincoln should move on here. Okay. Well, let's hop over. We're into our final four. We've got our first matchup. It is number 13, Autopia versus number eight, Gadget's Go Coaster. Who? We'll advance to the finals of our worst Disneyland attraction bracket. Let's talk <laughs> about it. Uh, I have not really like done my full Autopia speech, but uh, Mandy kind of like started it off last round when she started talking about the jackhammering sound of these cars. Like this is probably my biggest problem with it is these things suck. <laughs> like they're loud, they're extremely uncomfortable. And they're probably not super environmentally friendly because you are filling them with gasoline. 
they probably don't require too much because they're tiny and they only go like four and a half miles an hour. But still, like, this ride is ripe if you must keep it as like an Autopia driving experience. Fleet of electric cars. Like, that, <laughs> right. is, such, that is such an obvious fix for this thing. Yeah, that it's totally. almost surprising to me that like they haven't done it yet. Especially with like the recent Honda deal, they kind of like reworked the queue area and those like videos that play in the indoor section. Um and it's all about like uh sleek, like innovation and stuff. Where's the environmental aspect of all of this? Like Totally. That's just a normal part of car ownership these days. At least for me. And probably a lot of Californians, which is a large percentage of your audience, right? Yeah. Kyle, you talked about the gas pedals being children length, so it's not super fun for an adult to use them. I think that works. I think probably the best way to enjoy this attraction would to be like a parent going with your child who is driving you. Like you spend so much time driving your child uh here is my child driving me that sounds terrifying and painful. i'm trying to i'm trying to see it <laughs> from know. like an optimistic perspective like sure, sure, people sure. who actually love their children <laughs> and doesn't mind the constant back and forth being whipped <laughs> you're doing great timmy <laughs> keep going like uh. Yeah, sure. Like, it's probably painful, but there might be some parents that are like, this is great. They're having the time of their lives. Uh, yes. And it's probably, it's it's a, something kids are proud to do. Like, they see their parents driving their cars. I want to drive a car, too. And, like, this is when I can do that. So let me do it. That being said, there is a height restriction for this ride that, like, once you're a certain height, you can ride by yourself. So I must have been eight years old, and I had, like, just barely cleared that height restriction. And I had a difficult time reaching the <sighs> pedal. And I will never, ever forget this. And this completely tainted my perception of this attraction forever. I got to the off-road part, which is, like, a little bit more difficult to drive on. Sure. Because it's bumpier. You have to, like, push a little bit harder on the gas pedal and, like, have a tighter grip on the wheel. Or else you're just going to pinball. <laughs> I swear, I was up to, like, my neck in the seatbelt. Like, my foot all the <laughs> I was, like, in a completely 180-degree horizontal position trying to reach this gas pedal. There was, like, a logjam of cars behind me. Like, I was that kid who could not go. And it was oh, because no. I just... I just wasn't tall enough, I don't think. But I got yeah. my own car because I wanted to be a big kid and have my own car. The thing that really sealed the deal on that memory is the cast member who was stationed like under an umbrella, just kind of like watching the track. He gave me like the saddest look ever. Like it was one of those looks where he kind of like had his nose up, like looking down at me, like you stupid idiot. You thought you could go by yourself, but you're not tall enough. Why don't you get mommy and daddy next time to go with you? I was so, uh, so, so embarrassed. I was like, I'm going to wait a couple years. And like to this day, I will not go solo on Autopia. I will go oh with someone gosh. else and make them drive oh, me because no. I just don't want to do it. 
the final thing that really makes this uh, super annoying to me that we haven't talked about yet is the licenses that they sometimes hand out. Yeah. Dude, who keeps those? 99% of people either throw them away, which is super wasteful, or litter them throughout the park. Mm-hmm. Like, in the early 2000s, you could go to any body of water in the park and it's... you would see a ton of coins and just a ton of Autopia throwaway driver's licenses. For sure. It was meant to be like a cash grab for people to like go get their photo taken for five bucks so that you could get it printed on the license. But like no one did that. Everyone just threw them away. Yeah. They stopped doing that for a while, but I think they started doing it again, like when the Honda deal was brand new. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Seems super wasteful. Disney, do not do that anymore. Going up against gadgets, I wanted to save gadgets last time. I think there's a spot for this on the roster. I understand that the wait time to ride time ratio is absolutely ridiculous, but it's easy for me to put this attraction out of sight, out of mind. Autopia takes up so much real estate and just disappoints on so many levels that it is the worst attraction for me. So I'm advancing Autopia to the finals. Here's a weird thing about Autopia that I can't seem to understand is that I don't know what the queue experience is because I feel like every single time I've gone on Autopia, I've gone through a different queue and it's really? not even in the good way. It's like, a, it feels like a maze. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes you can go over like this over ramp, but sometimes you're going to spiral down into this like cave overhang and watch these like promotional videos. But sometimes you're going to walk upstairs and downstairs and straight to, I don't understand why this thing has so much space. Yeah. And how much of it is taken up by the queue, especially in this day and age. No one goes on Autopia. If the line's long, it's because they have to walk through so much of the queue. It makes no sense to me. All the points that you bring up are completely correct, including the fact that like cast members have to sit along the trackway. And so they're already like conditioned to being upset that they have to like sit there all day long. So even if you mess up or you do something dumb or drive by perfectly, you feel like they are judging you no matter what because they hate their lives for having to sit past these jackhammering go-karts all day long. And you're right. You both have brought up like the sound that this attraction brings to Tomorrowland. What's less futuristic than like a jackhammering small vehicle especially like now then it was like the concept of like highways and the concept of these sleek looking cars but now if you're using that much gas for that little power you're just wasteful gadgets is not a fun coaster but i can get on board with the idea that it serves a very important purpose which is families showing up to toontown with kids that are too afraid for roger rabbit but are too smart to go through anything else in toontown 
So what are you going to do? You're going to go on gadgets because it's a very available and accessible coaster for kids of really all ages that look at something like the Matterhorn and are like, there's 0% chance I'm getting on that Matterhorn. It looks terrifying. I'll start with gadgets. So I just don't see a purpose for Autopia these days. I really wish that we we took it out. Maybe we paid homage to it in the next iteration of whatever goes there. We acknowledge the history and the importance of it. But you're also right, Chris. There were so many different iterations of this ride in other places in the park that like, is it actually novel? Is it actually important? I think it's just thing that has been there for so long that we tie like we tie importance to it when we really shouldn't so autopia is going to move on as the worst gadgets is going to stay off the board mandy what are your thoughts uh totally agree um we'll get more into autopia in the next round but to me autopia is starting to feel just like a giant corporate sponsorship ride than something actually innovative so (laughs) And I think that's why it stays. I think that yeah. Disneyland can make enough money off of folks that want to purchase naming rights, right? You had like Chevron right before Honda and Chevron's, you know, giant in our country that like they had the money to spend and they would spend that money. Chevron commercials with the clay cars were like a very big thing when we were younger. And now it's not so much because that industry is awful. But those industries still have cars. And Chris, you bring up a great point. Just go electric and then shorten the track. Make the footprint smaller, go electric, and that ride is going to be instantly more enjoyable. You already have the center guide. Just throw the electrical circuit through it and then run the cars in it and you're ready to rock and roll. I know you're listening, Disney. I got ideas. (laughs) All right, that means that Autopia is going to sit in the finals. We are going to talk about Star Wars Launch Bay, the number two seed versus the number three seed Lincoln. This is what was meant to be on the side of the bracket, to be honest. This two and three, because, oh boy. (laughs) The thing is, I've never really met anyone that's been like, the Lincoln experience, bro. Like, you, you should do it. And I've never met anybody at Star Wars that's been like, you need to do it. But I see the appeal to Star Wars over Lincoln. There's just not a a cultural connection to Lincoln anymore. And it's it just is what it is. Star Wars is an entity that has always been popular and has, I guess, risen in popularity and in recent years with the new trilogy and with the Clone Wars animated series and with the Mandalorian on Disney Plus, like it's definitely more within our conscious and psyche than maybe in, you know, when they weren't producing movies. And Disneyland's history with Star Wars has been fairly consistent since the introduction of Star Tours. So really since then, we've seen star wars integration everywhere and especially just lucas 
integration everywhere. Star Tours, which led to the Indiana Jones, which led to Star Wars Celebration Weekends, which led to the new iteration of Star Tours, which led to movies and shows and everything, right? So Star Wars makes somehow sense when you compare these two. Even though, like, Main Street's supposed to be this turn of the century, even if it was turn of the century, Lincoln's been dead for a very long time at the turn of the century. So even if, like, you're in this forever 4th of July, right at the turn to 1900, Lincoln been gone, and why would he be at the opera house? So even thematically, it's a little interesting. It's kind of a show off of technology more than it is an enjoyable show. And that's what it always was. Read a book on it. I think I mentioned this on the podcast. If anybody's into Disney books, I've read a lot of them. Would love to share some thoughts about them. But I read a book about uh, Lincoln and the 1964 World's Fair and how hard it was, one, to get it working in New York, and two, how many hoops Disney had to jump through to have a replica iteration of it in Disneyland to the point where they had to have representatives from the state of Illinois in the front of the attraction to welcome guests so that it seemed like an Illinois-sponsored attraction to mirror what the uh, experience was in New York. So right away, it's just this like gimmicky, what's the purpose other than we created a human-like robot situation? which I appreciate and is fine, but like Lincoln. And I get that Walt was all about like America and progress and like I love how Lincoln told speeches, but we're so far removed from that. It's that what would Walt do? I don't care what Walt would do. We're not in the Walt era anymore. Get rid of Lincoln. That footprint can be used for something that's probably just as educational, but much more applicable if you're trying to do it. And it doesn't need to be a theater. There's plenty of that kind of stuff. We're entering the screen-based, we've been in the screen-based experience era, and we don't need another kind of, you know, I don't think we need another kind of show, especially if it's not live action or with actual performers. If it's another animatronic, I'd much rather go to the Tiki Room than I would Lincoln. So all that being said, at least I get to see some humans in Launch Bay, I guess. Launch Bay is saved. Lincoln would move to the finals for me. It's hard because I saved Star Wars Launch Bay last time, so I'm tempted to save it again because I do see more value in it than I see in Lincoln. Like you said, like there aren't a whole lot of people who are going to the park and you go, dude, you got to check out Lincoln. Unless they're like a diehard Disney history buff. Sure. In which case, they already probably know the problematic nature of the attraction. And they're just going to see Lincoln itself so that they can say they saw it. (laughs) Um, Right. It. It is the most important thing. They want to see the technology and it's not so much about the show. Which is so interesting to me because that technology can also still be seen in attractions like the Tiki Room, which is problematic and we think we'll see a semi-reverb of, but at least that entertainment value is much higher than Lincoln, in my opinion. Yeah, and so 
I mean, we're down to our last three here, and any one of these three, I think, is due for some reimagineering. And it's hard to stack these up against each other when you think about what they could be. Because sure. Lincoln could be something else. It should be something else. Um, but, like, what it could be is probably something similar to what it is now, like an educational theater experience. It could be a dark ride, but you know they won't do that. No. Uh, they'll do something similar-ish. Star Wars Launch Bay was America Sings, rotating theater. Uh, and then it was Innoventions, which was like a place to showcase new technologies that very quickly became outdated. Um, my most memorable Innoventions experience is on New Year's Eve when my brother and my sister and I played VMK there for about six hours because <laughs> we got bored with going on rides and it was raining out. So uh, played a bunch of VMK, which is what we did at home. So it was just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Waste of money being at Disneyland, I guess. I think my sister took a nap on a bench shaped like a cactus. Um, yeah, Innoventions was garbage. Um, so I think this definitely is an upgrade there. Something super annoying about this space is that there are no restrooms. That's a point yeah. they make before you would go inside when it used to rotate. They'd be like, the theater rotates, which you know means no bathrooms because the pipes. And like you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then you go, wait a second, the center part of the building doesn't rotate. So like, why does that matter? Yeah, I think that's just lies, just to like get people to use the restroom and cover up the fact oh. that it's just because they didn't want to use restrooms. Yep. So I think this space is the same space that was talked a lot about being made into some type of Iron Man experience, like a, a 4D theater experience, or maybe it was like a simulator attraction or something. Yeah, I mean, sure. I think that was the thought before Marvel's Avengers Campus came online. I think that was like the first iteration of right in between Galaxy's Edge being announced and... Tomorrowland hosting all of these Star Wars celebration weekends and then like stormtroopers just walking around uh, Tomorrowland. They thought that there was going to be a Star Wars land and then Tomorrowland was going to be converted into this like Marvel thing. We're going to get a ton more Marvel stuff just as Tomorrowland got a ton of Star Wars stuff. So that was the new future. The new Tomorrowland was like this technological based superhero world. And that's going to be led off by the Iron Man experience that Hong Kong has, um, which is yeah. a simulator ride. Yeah. So I think that was it for, and then Disney did all that stuff. So regardless, it's clear that this space could be utilized for like a C ticket attraction, potentially even an E ticket type attraction if they're creative with it. So like that really frustrates me that this space is being occupied by something that doesn't have appeal to a section of your audience. That being said, I find value in Star Wars launch base still. 
and I do not really find any value in Lincoln, which is why I'm going to advance Lincoln to the finals. Mandy, are you relieved that Star Wars Launch Bay is staying safe? Were you going to send that one to the finals? No. I mean, I, I'm a Star Wars fan, and I think you got to like measure the appeal for the international tourist visiting Disneyland who may yeah. not be American, um, but they probably have at least some relation to Star Wars at some point. Uh, I don't think anyone outside of the United States is like a big Lincoln uh, relationship, so I agree that that should move on here. Fair. All right. Well, that takes us to the finals. It's number 13, Autopia, versus number three, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. I guess I'll just kind of segue this from the conversation we were just having. Um, I think that if Disney had a refurbishment budget today that they needed to throw some money at something, I think Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln is like the most pressing attraction that needs an update. Uh, Maybe with the exception of like the Jungle Cruise's depictions of uh, native peoples, but um, I would say they probably should do something with Lincoln sooner rather than later, and I think they can do something with Lincoln sooner rather than later. But Autopia, I just can't stop thinking about all of the potential that you could have with this huge space. You could make it something totally different. Kyle, you referenced a Tron light cycle type thing. Um, and we've been talking about these electric cars. Neither of these attractions really have a whole lot of rideability, a whole lot of value to me right now. Uh, I just keep getting hung up on the fact that Autopia could be this great thing that we are being deprived of uh, based on how it exists right now. And Lincoln, yes, it needs a change, but I don't really lose sleep at night thinking about how nothing's being done about it. So I'm going to actually crown Autopia the worst Disneyland attraction. The thing for me in this matchup, and I've definitely brought these two to the finals this entire way. Like, I don't think I tried to save either of these attractions not saying that I won the arguments and this is my finals, but like I definitely didn't try to save either of these. And Chris, I don't know that you did either. So like this is a very true finals to you and I at, at this point in the bracket. I just I just don't see a ton of pros to the existence of Lincoln at all. Yeah, like yeah. as a whole, me neither. I. It's it's difficult because it's in such a prime location, but it's in a location that I also don't know what we would do with. I want them to replace it. It's one of those things like I wanted to change. Okay, then what do you want to change it with? And I'm like, I don't know, just not that. <laughs> it's like make it backstage for all I care. I just won't go into the opera house. It's It's just this weird thing that almost like, the fact that this experience, so think about like all of Disneyland's marketing in the past 15 years, including like the 50th celebration. Lincoln is a very important part of like the history of the park. And we don't, we don't see it. We don't hear about it. It's not promoted. It's not, you watch any of the Disney plus stuff. It's not even 
mentioned besides maybe the Imagineering story. But like even beyond that, they have this like one day at Disney. Do we hear about the <laughs> what are they like the ushers at great moments with Mr. Lincoln? No, because no one goes in there. That's a useless position. It's a it's an attraction that was novel for its time, but should it just shouldn't exist anymore. And I agree with you. I think that if Disney had the money, they should renovate this and the Jungle Cruise, and they should try and make it way less problematic than it is, and make it non-problematic. I don't think that's their focus with these kind of renovations. I don't think that was their focus with Splash Mountain. I think that they saw that there was an uproar and they had an opportunity to get rid of a attraction that had no IP value. Just like if we had an issue with Roger Rabbit, they would tear down Toontown in an instance. But we don't have an issue with it, but we had an issue with Splash Mountain as a collective, a loud collective, and they're gonna do it. So I wish that they would, but they're going to look at Lincoln and be like, it works and we don't have to spend money on it. And two two groups of five show up after the flag retreat and go watch it and then leave the park. So like it serves a purpose when really like Autopia is the one that should be completely renovated and is I would assume is a money loser with how much they should spend on gas and it just sucks however here's what it comes down to for me is the fact that like there's still an enjoyment factor out of autopia for people that are of any age and i'm thinking of people that skew younger unless you're chris who didn't know how to drive off road you're probably really looking forward to driving a car by yourself or driving your parent right and and even the license thing. The license thing is so dumb. But I remember when Chevron was still the sponsor of it, walking through like that entire like cave thing and you go and you have to go do your, your drive and then you can go take your photo for your license in the booth. That's all I wanted to do. And I think that enjoyment factor still exists for kids. Is it a valid one? No. Is it one that can be changed absolutely like that there's an enjoyment factor for these kids that can be applied into another attraction in that same space however imagine being like hey uh we have 45 minutes you're trying to go see mr lincoln or are you trying to go drive a car you know we're gonna go drive a car are you joking we drove six hours to get here and i wanted to drive the entire way even as much as Autopia hurts me like physically, sometimes emotionally, the stress and strain that Lincoln puts on me emotionally throughout the entire experience, the fact that I don't think anyone wants to see it, the fact that I don't think that the future wants to see it, which is the future of these parks existing, makes me want to crown the number three Lincoln as the absolute worst attraction at Disneyland, which means I guess this is going to crown the actual worst attraction. Mandy, you have the floor. So this is a really tough matchup because, again, I am not really into either of these attractions. Um, As you shouldn't be. That's the entire point of this worst bracket. (laughs) 
Yeah, I have no emotional connection, no personal stories in this round. They just both are awful. Um, with Mr. Lincoln, you can afford to, like, walk right past it and ignore it. You can't do the same with Autopia. And I think what annoys me the most about Autopia is... <laughs> why is it trackless? Like, for some reason, tracked car rides are so much better. You look at Cars Land and the experience you have over there. I'm going to drop a South Bay reference, and if you grew up going to Gilroy Gardens or Bonfante yep. Gardens, as it was formerly known, there was yep, a ride there. The, you had to choose yeah. either a classic 1920s car or a 1950s car to drive, and that's so much and more of a it better on? experience. It was on a track. Yeah, and exactly. I'm cruising around my 1950s Corvette, blasting Elvis, having the time of my young life. Wow. You unlocked so many memories. <laughs> yeah. At Autopia... It's loud, it's smelly, and I personally, like, driving stresses me out, so why would I want to do that at a theme park? It makes no sense. Um, but here's the thing, I do agree with you, Kyle, that I think for a certain subset of, of Disney park goers, like, I, I do remember when Chevron sponsored it, like, getting that license and feeling like a big kid. And even though I think my dad drove because I was too nervous, uh, <laughs> there was that feeling of like, oh, I got a license. And even though it kills me because it feels like so corporate, and I just honestly think that tracked car rides are better. Um, I, you know, have gone to the park several times and never experienced Lincoln, and I don't need to. Um, you know, it's not going to really affect my Disney park going experience, and I think that goes for a lot of people, so... I'm going to agree with you, and just for the sake of its uh, forgettability, crown Lincoln as the worst Disneyland attraction. And ladies and gentlemen, we have our first entry into the Hall of Fame of Worsts on this podcast. It is great moments with Mr. Lincoln as the worst Disneyland attraction, and as we do with every single episode, we're going to go ahead and clap it out. I guess we should be booing, technically. <laughs> yeah. Like, Boo for yeah. Lincoln. <laughs> I think that we can clap at least for the fact that we can agree that these two are definitely like the worst at this park. Like that is a consensus that we got to and we can be happy with. I mean, there are teams of people whose job it is to make sure that every single square inch of space in that park is being used to its maximum capacity and efficiency. And like the fact that you have these two just being completely like overlooked and people being like, we're okay with it. Like it kind of baffles me. And it's funny because you brought up the fact that the parks were trying to uh, diminish the space that like planter boxes took up or like trees took up or literally let's change the entire entrance of Tomorrowland. Uh, sorry, look at the back of your entire land. That's an entire area that can be taken out for more space. Are you joking? So you're right. It's, it's the space eaters. It's the ones that are out of time and out of, out of context now. And they deserve to be, they deserve to be last, but Mandy, we thank you for joining us on a journey that was once best at soundtracks and you've entered the world of worse and have kicked off our interest in what is bad about Disney. We 
greatly thank you for being on this journey with us. Thank you so much. This was such a fun episode to be on. Loved throwing shade at some Disney attractions. Yeah, I'm looking forward to tuning into the next one. All right, y'all. Well, do you agree with all this? Did we get it right? Is Lincoln truly the worst? Also, do you have any bracket ideas of your own? You got something weird on your mind? Or do you want to be a co-host or a tiebreaker? Please, please reach out to us. We love hearing from y'all. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at mousemadnesspodcast. Follow us on Twitter at mousemadnesspod. We're super active on Twitter always. You can also join our Discord server or our Facebook group, which are both linked in the description of this podcast. Till next time, folks. Please exit the theater to your right. Oh,